et cetera, et cetera, will, will make intercession. And he also said not to pray uh, as the hypocrites who love to be seen by men. And these individuals would stand on the street corner. He especially was talking about the Pharisees, and they would do these elaborate flowery prayers at public worship services, etc., etc. There's nothing wrong with praying in public. Nothing wrong with praying in public. But uh, we're not praying to men. We're praying to God. Now, I, I, I'm going to let you know right now that at the conclusion of my message this evening, they're having a reunion. <laughs> At the conclusion of my, my message, I, I want to pray for you. I really do. I want to lay my hands on you and I want to pray for you. And I want you to avail yourself of that. Anthony and I will come up here and uh, we'll just stand right here and we want to pray for you. We want to take the time to pray and lay hands on you and to pray for you. We want to do that. I... I um, I want to continue to teach about what Jesus taught about prayer. And I've, taught, I've entitled my message this evening, uh, New Covenant Praying. New Covenant Praying. So, again, last week we, we said that effective praying, effective praying includes praying sincerely, praying specifically, and, and praying in secret. And it also involves praying in Jesus' name, praying in Jesus' name, and in, pray, and in praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and I want to set the scene. In John chapter 14 and 15 and 16. John chapter 14, just hold your finger there, John chapter 14. And in these particular chapters, chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16, these are the last teachings of Jesus on prayer. The very last teachings of Jesus on prayer before his death and before his resurrection. And in these uh, particular chapters, Jesus makes some extraordinary statements and such bold statements that it seems unbelievable. I want you to look at verses 12 through 17 with me. Let's look at it very quickly, this passage of Scripture. John 14, 12 through 17. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. If you like to circle in your Bibles, I know some of you don't, but if that's an old Bible you like to circle, all those places where it says, in my name, underline or circle, in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father, you may ask me for anything, there it is again, in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, of course, the paraclete, in the Greek, the Holy Spirit, the encourager, the one who comes alongside, and he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For notice, he lives within you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans and I will come to you. I will come to you, Jesus said. Now, if you're listening to what Jesus said uh, in this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus said, anyone, underline, anyone who has faith in me will do greater things than I have done. That is an outstanding statement. Who has faith in me will do greater things than these. In fact, six times in this verse, 
the phrase will do is used. Did you notice that? Will do, will do, will do, will do is used. How? How will this be accomplished? How do we see souls saved and how do we see people, uh, lives changed and miracles happen? Jesus said, how will this be? How, how will this happen? Greater things than Jesus did in his earthly ministry. How will this happen? The whole context tells us in chapters 14, 15, and 16 that these greater works would be done primarily through prayer. Primarily through prayer. No other way. Primarily through prayer. Now, remember, I, I quoted last week John Wesley, and I want to quote it again. This is what John Wesley says. He said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergy or lay people. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. He does nothing but an answer to prayer. And I was reading a while back about Dr. Wilbur Chapman. There's this pastor of yesteryear, famous pastor of a large Presbyterian church. This was back in the days when the Presbyterian church were, were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But years ago in Philadelphia, and uh, he became the pastor of this church. And after his first sermon, an elderly gentleman came to him from the pulpit and he said, you're pretty young to be a pastor of this church, this great church. We've always had pastors. I'm afraid you're going to fail. That's what he said. I'm afraid you're going to fail. You won't succeed. But if you preach the gospel, I'm going to help you all that I can. And uh, I looked at him, said this fellow by the name of Dr. Wilbur Chapman, and said to myself, here's a crank. But the old gentleman continued, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will empower you and do you. And two others have covenanted to join with me. And then Dr. Chapman related the outcome. I did not feel so bad when I learned that he was going to pray for me. The three became ten, the ten became twenty, and the twenty became fifty, and the fifty became a couple hundred who met me before every service to pray that the Holy Spirit may come upon me. In another room, the eighteen elders knelt so close around me to pray for me that I could I couldn't put out my hands and touch touch and touch them on all sides, all eighteen people. I always went in the pulpit knowing that I would have an anointing and answer the prayer of these 200 plus men. And this is what he concludes. It was easy to preach. It was a joy. Anybody who could preach, was, anybody could preach with such, such conditions. And what was the result? He said we received 1,100 into our church by conversion in three years, 600 of which were men. It was the fruit of the Holy Spirit in answer to the prayers of those men. I do not see how the average pastor under circumstances preaches at all and it's it's true it's difficult sometimes it is so thick the spiritual warfare and what's happening and what's going on that it's difficult to even open your mouth and to preach it's very difficult church members have much more than do to go to church as curious idle spectators to be amused and entertained it's our business this person concludes to pray mightily that the holy spirit will clothe the preacher with power and make his words like dynamite. Now, the question, this is the question that always comes up, but how do you see these greater things accomplished in, in, in the church? And the Lord has not left us without any direction or help. Now, I want to say that I've seen a little bit of this. I haven't seen hundreds, but I've seen a number of people 
And I've been involved in churches and situations where people really begin to get serious about prayer and really begin to pray that God would convict people of their sins and convince them that Jesus Christ is the answer for their life. Those two C's, convict and convince, and begin to invite people to church. And there was convergence, and a number of people became members of the church. Uh, So I'm no expert, but let's go back to God's Word. First of all, according to Jesus, we are to pray in His name. We're to pray in His name. I, I want you to look at verses 13 and 14 again with me. This is what he said. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Verse 14. You may ask for anything in my name. Now I want you to keep your finger here. And I want you to turn over with me to John chapter 15. Look at John chapter 15 and verse 16 with me. John 15:16. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit. Uh, that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask. What does it say? In my name. And then turn over to chapter 16. And uh, as I was doing the study, I noticed all these places. I want you to look at verse 23. John chapter 16, one chapter over. And look at 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Uh, I, I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask. What? What does it say? In my name and then verse 24 until now you have not asked for anything in my name and then look at verse 26 in that day you will ask in my name and i'm not saying that i will ask the father on your behalf no the father himself loves you because you have already loved me and have believed that i came from god did you notice six times in those particular sections john 14 15 and 16 a total of six times jesus said in my name in my name, in my name. Now, do you think, really, when you look at when you look at the repetition and when you do Bible study and we look at the repetition of phrase, phrases that are used, th- there's a message that's trying to be conveyed to people who are studying the Bible. There's a message for us. Jesus was trying to communicate something simple and yet something profound. Speaking to his disciples, Jesus said that there would be a new stage, a new covenant of redemptive work and new relationship with you, he said, and my followers. He said, and and once I go to the Father, you are to ask my Heavenly Father in my name. Well, what's so special about praying in Jesus' name? Let Let me just digress and let me share a disclaimer first. The name of Jesus is not some sort of secret code that you work up, like Shazam or Open Sesame. It isn't a tool to manipulate God. However, there is, there is, there is, I'll just say it simply, there is power in Jesus' name. Uh, We know that there was a man who did not have faith in God through Jesus Christ trying to cast out demons in Jesus' name. And uh, he got beat up by all those demons because he wasn't related. He didn't have a relationship. And, and through Jesus, we pray according to his authority, his authority. We acknowledge him as Lord and Savior and that he has defeated Satan and his courts. That's very important. Jesus has defeated Satan and his courts. It means to pray by his authority and to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that he's already defeated Satan and his courts. It means that through Jesus Christ, we have access to God the Father himself and that God hears our, our prayers. Now think of it. 
God who created the heavens and earth throughout the night, light, bright set, the Orion and all the stars, and and who measured the earth and throughout uh, the whole, uh, all of the soil and all the waters and everything else, this creator of the whole universe, we had, can have access to him through prayer. And you know that when Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, that huge thick curtain symbolizing that we have access to God. No longer is he going to be just in a place of holies of holies. Well, so go back with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verses 14 through 17. There, there's a second part that I, I want to talk about this evening. In order to be effective in our praying, in order to see greater things accomplished through prayer, Jesus said that we would also need the fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit in our life, in order to pray in the Spirit. I want you to look at John chapter 14, verses 14 through 17. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you obey what I command, and and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Again, that's the Greek word paraclete, someone that comes alongside and counsels and enables and who encourages and who gives you insight and gives you understanding. And he will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But notice, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. And we believe that there are two baptisms. We believe that there's a baptism of redemption, a baptism of redemption, and we believe that there's a baptism of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And uh, these individuals, Jesus said, you know him, for he lives with with you, but he will be with you. The idea and the context is, uh, the word that we use is in fullness. Now, they were saved, but there came a time when the Holy Spirit would be in them. The context, again, fullness. I want you to look at John chapter 16. And I want you to look at verses 23. And I want you to look at verse 26. John chapter 16, verse 23 and 26. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. But I tell you the truth, my Father will give whatever you ask in my name. There it is again. And then drop down to verse 26. And that day you will ask in my name. Now, I, I, I want to go back to that phrase that he uses there. In that day. Notice, in that day. What does that day mean? Jesus was saying that when I go, the Holy Spirit will come and baptize you in fullness. In that day. He was talking about a future event that we call Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. And he will fill every believer who asks for it? Well, someone might say, Pastor Ron, what is so important about being filled with the Spirit when it comes to praying? Listen, twice in the New Testament, believers are commanded in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and in Jude 20, to pray in the Spirit. We're commanded to pray in the Spirit. Well, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Now, it does not mean to disengage your mind. It doesn't mean to disengage your heart. When we are filled with the Spirit, when we're baptized in the Spirit, it means, first of all, that we're more sensitive to the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is leading and God's will. We read in Romans 8.27 that the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Isn't that interesting? Listen to that. 
This is found in Romans 8.27. Maybe when you want to look at it, write it down. The Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. It's a mystery. We don't understand it. We stand between heaven and earth helping to accomplish God's will that's done uh, in, um, in heaven, we, and, and, but it's not automatically done on earth because we got, we got all kinds of uh, satanic, Satan and old snaggletooth and, and all these satanic beings and we've got sin and we've got self. So God's will is not automatically accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. And we stand as intercessors helping to accomplish God's will. And the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So as saints, who are the saints? All of us. So it says we, again, intercede for the saints in accordance with God's will. We're interceding in prayer on behalf of one another. And as God leads us for our relatives, our friends, for the people that are lost, for the people that are unsaved, for our family members, for all those individuals in our sphere of influence, and as the Lord leads us outside of that sphere of influence. You've had this happen to you, and I know you have. My good friend, on a specific day, prayed for me, felt a burden for me, wrote a card, and dated the card, and then... I received the card, and it was on that day that I was going through something very, very difficult, a severe, heavy spiritual battle and warfare this past year. The Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You see, if we don't have the leading of the Holy Spirit in our prayer life, we might pray amiss. Did you hear what I said? We might pray amiss may even pray with the wrong motives, according to James chapter 4, verse 3. But if we listen to the Holy Spirit, are, are in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that as we're driving down the road, that if we are in between radio stations, and we're listening to the, to the uh, FM ra- ra- local radio station here in John Day, or listening to the Christian radio station, whatever it may be, and we're driving in between communities, and it begins to cut out, sometimes we have to play around with the adjustment of our radio. If you listen to the Holy Spirit and you're tuned with the Holy Spirit, like a radio in tune with the FM or AM station, we can know what to pray and what to ask for. Now, I was reading uh, a number of years ago that before the end of World War II, the Allied forces broke the German secret code for sending messages. Do you guys remember the name of that machine that, uh, that the Germans used? There's a special name for that. I can't remember the name of that. But they had this special machine that they used, and the Allied forces broke the German secret code for sending messages. Now imagine knowing exactly what your enemy is going to do ahead of time, step by step, and them not even knowing it. What an advantage that would be. And think of this in the spiritual realm. If we have the paraclete, if we have the counselor, if we have the Holy Spirit walking beside us and enabling us, we can have, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, access to God's intimate leadings. And the Holy Spirit can direct us on how to pray and what we're to ask for. Well, second of all, I want you to notice 
that praying in the Spirit means the Holy Spirit can energize our human spirit, can energize our human spirit so that we do not faint or quit or lose heart or that we don't give up. In Isaiah, what does it say? That we can mount up like wings of eagles when we're weary and when we're tired and we don't feel like we can take another step because the Holy Spirit can energize us and help us and enable us. And that has always been one of the greatest problems when it comes to prayer. Did you hear what I said? What's the greatest problem when it comes to intercessory prayer? Fatigue, tiredness, taxing, draining, demanding. It kind of wears you out sometimes. And, and therefore, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to persevere in prayer, to watch and to pray. And Jesus told his disciples about this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he said, watch and pray. You're tired, you're weak, whatever it may be. The Spirit is willing to flesh is weak. And that's why we need the energizing of, of the Holy Spirit. Um, because it's taxing. I don't know why it's so taxing at times. I, I just don't understand it all myself, but I just know it is. Um, a woman who had been praying in prayer for an for unsaved husband, praying with a number of other Christian people, for three months, came to her pastor, and this is what she said, I'm quoting, There's something wrong, pastor. What is it? he asked. My husband, she said. I've been praying intensely for him for three months, and, and what? the pastor asked her. And tears came to her eyes, and it was, and she was trying hard not to cry. He is worse than ever, she blurted out. He's more hostile toward God, toward the church, toward me. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. What's happening? This man is under conviction, and when you're under conviction, you fight everything you can do, tooth and nail and whatever it may be. You call people hypocrites. You label people. You don't want anything to do with that church. Uh, that's all there are, a bunch of hypocrites. And often that's the way it is when you begin to pray specifically for the salvation of a person. They get under conviction, and they even get worse. But things do get worse before they get better, but they do get better. And that's why often when we're interceding, especially for the salvation of people, uh, you need to just have persevering and you need, you need the Holy Spirit to enable you and to help you to, to continue to persevere and, 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 uh, and, and go and help these people get to get from indifference to where they get to the fact where they're um, uh, more receptive to God in their life. But we cannot give up on praying and the Holy Spirit to help us to persevere uh, and, and so we need the Spirit's anointing for that. Third, I want to talk about praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit means that the Lord will increase our faith so that we can pray with boldness. So the Lord will increase our faith so that we can pray, pray in boldness. And you know, faith is like a muscle. And the more we exercise it and the more that we see begin to see results in our life, the more that we can be, believe God for greater and greater things. Now, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, I want you to turn over there with me. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus tells a story, remember, of the widow. The widow. Now let's put this in the Hebrew context here. The one person 
in that society who had no power, no position, no political clout, was a widow. She had no children to speak for her, no son to legally do anything for her, no husband. She had nothing in that society as far as power, position, or political clout. And we read in uh, chapter 18, verse 1, um, Jesus shared this parable. Why? So that we would what? We would pray and not what? What does it say there? And not give up. Don't give up. And then he goes on and he tells this parable. He tells about this judge. Uh, you can lead, read along with me in verse 2 as we go down through. I'm going to tell you the story and you'll just have to take my word for it. It's there. But he tells about this unjust judge who neither feared God or man. Can you imagine? He didn't fear anybody. But there was this widow who had no political clout, no position again, who kept coming to him and said, Grant me justice against my adversary. And verse 4 says, For some time he refused. He kept refusing. He kept refusing. But guess what this widow did? The more that he refused, the more that she persevered. And he said in verse 4, the second part there, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, and yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. And so that she eventually will wear me out with her coming. Now here's the application. Drop down to verse 8. I tell you, Jesus said, he will see that they get justice and quickly that our Heavenly Father, because he is full of righteousness. He will not, uh, verse 7, and, 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 and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? The answer is yes. Will he keep putting them off? No. I tell you the truth. He will see that they will get justice and quickly. Persevere. Did that woman give up? Did that woman throw in the towel? No, Jesus said. The woman in bold faith kept knocking and kept knocking and kept persisting day after day. And finally, because of her bold faith, the judge heard her case and ruled in her favor. And Jesus said, God will do the same for each one of us. Now, it's important, it's important to be led by the Spirit. It's important to be energized by the Spirit. It's important to persevere by the Spirit, Spirit of God. And it's important to boldly approach God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, He who has faith in me will do even greater things than I have done. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it. He who has faith in me will do even greater things than I have done. How? By praying in Jesus' name, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, persevering in the Spirit, and praying with boldness in the Spirit. Now, in Luke chapter 11, turn there with me, Luke chapter 11, um, I want you to look at verses uh, 5 through 8. Luke chapter 11, verses 5, 5 through 8. And this is where we see what's called the triangle of prayer. We have this friend who's hungry, who's starving, 
who evidently came from a long ways off. He's been traveling. And he knocks on the door. He knocks on the door of this other friend. And the other friend says, I don't have anything. I don't have any bread. I don't have any food. I don't have anything to give to you. But I'm going to go to my other friend and I'm going to knock on his door and I'm going to ask that he will provide three loaves of bread for, for, for you. So you have this one friend who's starving, goes to this other friend, he says, I don't have anything, and he goes to another friend. Now, did you, did you note our story there? Look at verses 5 through 8. The friend being asked is where? And he's in bed. He's in his home. Now, if you study uh, the culture at that particular time, especially among the poor people, when they locked their house up for the night, they locked it up for the night. They blew out the candle. They were usually had this one, one room, if they were poor people, one big, huge room. And so all the kids and the mom and dad and the chickens and perhaps the pigs and all the animals are uh, the whole... Sh- sh- what do you call that? The whole shigabang or whatever of all those people, the whole cadre of all those, uh, that household is locked behind closed doors. He's in bed. He's comfortable. He doesn't want to get out of bed. And here this guy is knocking on his door on behalf of another friend and he's asking, Jesus said, for three loaves of bread. He does not want to get out of bed. He's all tucked in. He's saying, don't bother me. Don't bother me. He won't get up because of his friendship. That's what it says. He won't get out of bed because of his friendship, but because of the friend's persistence. Persistence. In verse 8. And faith to believe. You know, boldness, knocking, persevering, 